0: Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand. Walking in the early dawn to climb up in my stand. Hunting off the farm, wishing on some love. I've been on a big board
1: for a while. Hi, Roddy. Welcome to American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Grace. Alex is on the line. And Alex, uh, Alex out of town as we record this. And I got a whole studio full of people here. Alex, why don't you introduce everybody?
2: Well, first of all, I want to say it's, it's awesome to have these guys in the studio with us. My uh, brand manager, co-host, uh, Wayne Locke, he moved here from Cleveland, Ohio. He's uh, a big, big secret part of why Americans have been successful right now. And also, our surprise guest this week is Eddie Owens. This guy doesn't know, but I really look up to him a lot for his His talents and his knowledge of trapping and predator hunting. And right now, after deer season's over, you're either waterfowl hunting or you're predator hunting or trapping. So this week's show is going to be about trapping. And I want to thank Eddie and uh, him and Wayne being in the studio along with you, Red Bull.
1: All right, so, Alex, uh, last week uh, when we were doing the show, we got to talking a little bit about the uh, National Football League, and uh, you asked me who I thought was going to be in the Super Bowl. I told you, Kansas City, and uh, uh, I don't remember who else I said, but it wasn't New Orleans, and you picked New Orleans to win it all. So,
2: buddy, what happened? Well, now I think New Orleans had a bunch of bad calls. What do you think, Wayne? Did you watch it, Eddie?
0: I watched uh, some of the game, but uh, I'm going to have to lean with you. There was definitely a couple bad calls, especially the at the end of the game. I thought for sure that guy pushed off.
3: Yeah, what would you think, Eddie? Uh be honest with you, I didn't catch it. It's trapping season, so if I'm not <laughs> working, I'm trapping. If I'm not doing that, I'm sleeping. So.
2: <laughs> well, we got a lot of followers, I'm telling you, that love the NFL. And, uh, I tell you what, those Minnesota, that quarterback, Cousins, he just threw a football through the eye of a needle that
1: night. Well, that night. But the thing is about Kirk Cousins is you don't know what he's going to do next week. Next week, he may not be able to throw, keep one in the stadium. I mean, it's just kind of the way he he has been so inconsistent. That's why he's been with so many teams in,
0: you know, five years. Vikings. But uh, but the Vikings did look good. And this was his first, um, wasn't that his first playoff game first that he ever won? First game yeah. he
1: ever won. Yeah, first playoff game he ever won. And it was
2: against the well, New Orleans
1: Saints. Well, let me say
2: this. The team that... I'm hearing a lot of hype and talk about out here where I'm working with uh, Beeser's on the shutdown Millwright work is Tennessee Titans. I'm hearing a lot of people say they think, man, the Titans really come out of nowhere and look what they're doing. Then I hear people talk about the Ravens. Then I hear people talk about the Chiefs.
1: So the the Ravens right now are the odds-on favorite. I mean, and you know, I I love my Kansas City Chiefs, and I have since I was you know five years old. But the Ravens are just so good, and they're so physical. I don't know if the Chiefs can match their physicality.
0: Yeah, they're playing some real shutout defense, too, right now. Yeah,
1: that's that's the thing about the Ravens. And, and of course, the Chiefs got the Houston Texans, and that's what you ought to be hearing about down there in Texas, Alex. They ought to be all over the Houston Texans.
2: Well, I'm in Kansas right now. Oh, you're in Kansas. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Kansas. Uh, When I get back, I'm home for a few days, and then we're going to go to Oregon. And from Oregon we're supposed to go to Florida, so okay. got a busy schedule ahead of me. but uh, man, I love football, college, high school, and uh, you know Ackland, I'll, I'll touch on this real quick. Baltimore Ravens and uh, Jalen Acklin played the first game and he got hurt, you know had some nerve damage and he went to Canada and he went with the team that he's with and they went to the national playoffs, national championships. And uh, I think Ackland, between you and I and everybody listening, uh, we'll make it back to NFL, guys.
3: What's your thoughts?
0: Hey, Doug Flutie can do it. I mean, why not?
3: <laughs> he's, he's young. So. What do you so, think, Eddie? I think he's young. He's got a lot of, lot of, lot of potential. So, I mean, now,
2: Eddie, you was a football player, too?
3: No, no, I never got, never got the opportunity. I always well, wanted I to. You did. no, I didn't. I didn't get to. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, I tell you what, standing next to Eddie, I, he should be playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Wayne, you're like me, standing next
1: to everybody you think. Well, that's true, too. That's true, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, guys, we've got a great show, and and our focus is going to be on trapping and predator hunting. We always try to get Eddie on our show a couple of times throughout this time of the year. And uh, what I want to do on this show for all of our listeners on podcast and our radio talk show is I want to teach people how to get started in trapping, and also in predator hunting. We may do a two-part show here in this show, but a lot of people they say, "Oh, I can just go out here with a predator call and calling predators and kill them." Well, it don't work that way always. And a lot of people think, oh, "I can just go grab a trap and I go going and set a trap and catch something." It don't work that way, does it, Eddie?
3: Not quite. It'd
2: be yeah. Nice so to Eddie, do. when I when I talk to you, I need you to elaborate for me here when we talk about something. So where, where I'm going with this is. For a beginner, then we're going to go to segment two here in just a few minutes, but I want you to tell me, what are the things that a beginner needs to know? Let's talk trapping first. What's uh, the first thing you think a trapper needs to know?
3: I would say, um, as with anything, if you don't have predators, you can't catch predators. So you need to learn probably to look for sign, and and that'll that'll show you where you need to, to start looking at where to set your traps, because if you're seeing a lot of a lot of scat a lot of trails um that would be probably the number one indicator uh where to start setting traps and there's there's tons of videos out there uh that can give them an idea of how to to micromanage their trap locations but Mm -hmm. you know there there's a lot of good trap makers out there uh you don't have to spend a fortune to get started um you can you know swing by Monty's and and pick up uh, half a dozen uh, good Duke traps. That's what I started with. Um, mm-hmm. And once I caught my first gray fox and my first bobcat, I was hooked. So it, it was it was all downhill from there. Uh, they you know you you pick up a few cents, uh, some lures, some baits. Um, you know there there is tons of of different companies out there to uh, that that produce these lures and baits um and you know it's like anything the the more you do it the more you figure out just pay attention to your your sign e- even after you set your traps when you're checking you know if you don't have a catch get out and, and inspect you know see if you've got traps caught cl- your tracks close to your to your trap set and and that'll give you an idea of, of what you're doing wrong when you're setting your trap too. So. I
2: got something for you, Eddie. It, a, a light just come on in my head. And I guarantee you nobody's ever done this. I, I haven't seen it on video. I heard nobody talk about it, but I'm going to give you an idea. Right here on a national talk show. You ready for this? Okay. People wonder why they're not catching something. And as you said, they look for the tracks around that trap. And the animal didn't go in the trap. Yeah. What about setting a trail camera up that shoots video over each trap set? What that do you is, think of that idea?
3: That's a very good idea. I attempted that the first year I started trapping, and somebody stole my trail camera. So <laughs> 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 So I, I've been a little reluctant to do it again. But, yeah, I mean, there there is a lot of truth to that. Um, I have seen it done. I don't see it near as much as I like uh, because – how a coyote responds to a trap set is is incredible you know i i've seen the one video i saw that coyote visited that trap site three different times before it ever committed and and come on in and got caught it uh it approached that dirt dirt hole it was a dirt hole set which is your pretty standard trap set um it approached that trap with its nose on the ground from a about four foot out so if you have any scent on your trap whatsoever they're going to smell it i mean they're regardless uh, and if they smell anything on your trap that resembles your bait or your lure your traps gonna get dug up so there a person can learn a ton by putting trail camera uh that'll shoot, you know trail cameras will shoot video on your trap sets there you
2: have it folks we got Eddie Owens in the studio with Wayne Locke, Mike Crace, and we're talking trapping right now. This is a two-part show. We're going to talk trapping and hunting. We're going to go do a break. We'll come right back. We're going to share some more secrets for you, how to get started in trapping. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors after this. Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutgers and friends. It's a big-
0: welcome back to american roots with alex rutledge i got mike crace in the studio this is wayne Locke, and we have eddie the trapper and famous predator hunting (laughs) local here Uh, eddie you were just talking about uh we were talking about beginners getting them interested in that and we were talking about traps now you had mentioned uh the duke trap is the best thing for a beginner to uh get into to start using for those that don't know what a duke trap
3: is what is that uh, Duke is a manufacturer of uh, coil spring foothold traps. Um, they're the reason I recommend those. Um, they're probably the the cheapest trap on the market right now, and because you know trapping's not for everybody. You know it, uh, it it's 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 one of those things that takes a serious amount of dedication, a lot more than people think. Because you know Missouri. Not just because Missouri requires a 24-hour check. If they if they required a 48-hour check, I would still check every 28 or 24 hours for the respect of the animal. Exactly. Okay. You know, because I always always do AM checks. Uh, some guys will do a, a PM check. You know, after they get off work. And I mean, as long as you're checking them every 24 hours, that's fine. But the way I look at it is, not you know, nine times out of ten, your animal's going to get caught in that trap from sunset to sunrise so if you check them every morning hopefully the maximum that animals been in the trap is eight or nine hours okay well if you check every afternoon that animal could have been in that trap for close to 24 hours so uh, I like like you said out of respect for the animal I like a 24 hour trap check and and that's where your dedication comes in if you can't check those traps every 24 hours you don't need to be out there Set and well said,
0: yeah Alex, that's one thing you're always uh, talking about also is just you know the respect of the animal, respect of nature and yes.
1: you know and, and, I, and I'm glad you said that because uh, that's kind of a black eye on trapping yeah. is, is that it's cruel to the animals. Yeah. And, and anybody uh, like yourself, Eddie, uh, that is a respectable trapper, they're doing their very best yeah. to make sure that it's not cruel to the animals. and I think you told us when you were on last year, most of these traps that they make anymore. Don't even break the skin.
3: No. They just
1: no. hold the animal. So there's really no harm to the animal no. by the trap.
3: No. If I had a trap here right now, I'd put my hand in it and show you. Uh, I did a video, uh, put it on my Facebook page here, I don't know, a couple, three weeks ago, uh, of a trap that I had just caught a bobcat or a, a coyote in. And uh, I was doing a remake. And, and just to show people that they, they're not, not designed to break bones, I reset it and I put my hand in it. Uh, I was wearing a thin knit glove that I used to to set them with. Just kind of resembles the hair on an animal's leg. You know, the the last thing you want to do is to break that animal's bone, because when you break that bone, then that's gonna that's gonna make them more apt to chew out of that trap, and that is the last thing you want.
0: Yeah. I, I think back in the I want to say late '70s and the '80s is when. I remember trapping got such a bad name because of the t- types of traps that were used back then, yeah. and now
3: they've changed. And do you know when that that whole style changed? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know any dates, but I do know some. You know, every state's requirement on the type of trap you can use is different. Uh, Missouri, um, we can use just a standard jawed trap. Uh, it doesn't have. You know, some states require a rubber jawed trap. Some states require it to be laminated which is, uh, is a double-thick, you know, they'll, they'll lay an extra piece of metal on there and make it wider so okay. it doesn't tend to cut into the hide near as much. Uh, this year I started adding shock springs to my coyote sets, the ones that I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get coyotes in. I'll go ahead and put the shock springs on, and what that does is, uh, you know, whenever you catch that wild animal, automatically they're going to hit the end of that chain or, or cable, whatever you got it on, and that shock spring provides a cushion at the end of that. Wow. So you know, I, I say if you know, heaven forbid, you do catch a domestic animal, and when they hit the end of that, they're not hurting and cutting and, and hurting, you know, tearing themselves well, up. So I never knew that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Did, I've seen those on dog chains. Yeah. For people have dogs, yeah. you know, chained up, I've yeah. seen those shock springs. but never thought about it on a trap. They're huh.
3: cheap. Uh, I use uh, earth anchors, and that's something else I'd recommend for a beginning trapper buy some earth anchors they're cheap they're about three dollars a piece it's a piece of cable with a um, the ones i use are a, called a fox hollow super Stake. you you buy a driver that's about five dollars it's a metal pin about 24 inches long you drive them in the ground you fasten your trap to it and everything is right there so you put your shock spring on that and that prevents them from pumping that thing up out of the ground over okay time. Right. so uh matter of fact I caught a gray fox, and you know they're not very big, but they're pretty feisty little animals. And he never—I I drove that that shock spring down in into the hole. I mean, I didn't leave nothing out, and he never even wiggled that that earth anchor. It was just like it was when I drove it. So having that shock spring in there that would give just a little bit every time that that earth anchor never moved. So I
2: have a question for you, Eddie. If I may uh, uh, ask it. Who got you started in trapping, and what intrigued you to want to trap? I know it's not about the kill, send an animal die. What intrigued you, and who taught you? Who got you into this?
3: I think um well, our one our local barber, Josh Young, he uh, he started trapping long before I did, and and I've been calling coyotes for a long time, and I never, I just never could call up a bobcat, you know, and and a lot of it is. You know, coyote stands usually happen fast, within 20 minutes. Well, a bobcat stand usually, normally takes you know up twice as long as that. So, I, I never was real, real patient about calling in bobcats, but I knew I was seeing them on trail camera. I was seeing them while I was bow hunting. I knew we have too, we had too many. So, I figured the the only only chance I stood at thinning them out was to uh, start trapping and. And this worked, you know, before I started trapping, I only had the opportunity to take three different cats and, and keep in mind, I'm just a small time trapper, but in the last three years, I think I've taken out 15 or 16 bobcats. So, wow. I mean, that, that's not going to help the deer herd a lot, but it is sure going to help the quail and the, and the young turkeys and the rabbits. So, and I'd say that's probably the biggest thing is I was, I wasn't real successful at calling them and thought, you know what, I've got to, I've got to change my plan of attack here on the bobcats and. And, uh, and they're such a such an elusive little critter, too. You know, a lot of people think we don't have very many, but I normally catch twice as many bobcats as I do coyotes every year. Wow. So,
1: It's the other why well, because, because you just don't see them very yeah. often, and, and you just don't think that there are very many out there. Yeah,
3: they're sneaky. Yeah. Well, I think the
2: bobcat is probably one of the biggest tow takers on turkeys
3: that we have. Yeah, I do, too. That's my opinion.
0: Yeah, Alex, remember, um, I think it was like three or four years ago, we were in the stand together and we had that bobcat uh, come right through the food plot. Remember that? Yes, sir. And, and I, I, I was like, hey, is that your cat? Is that, I mean, is that a cat, somebody's neighbor's cat? And you're looking and you're like, no, I think that's an actual bobcat. <laughs> I mean, that's the first yeah. time I'd ever seen one.
2: Really. Yeah, well, we need we need Eddie to come down there, Wayne, and do some trapping and predator calling around our farms and uh, help us with our turkey numbers because... Folks, our turkey numbers, and I'm not meaning to get off on that subject, but this is why we want to promote trapping and predator hunting because we're very concerned about our turkey numbers here in the Ozarks. Would you agree, Mike and Red um, and White? Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, I absolutely would agree. And, and you know, I think the, the the heavy rains we had last spring probably really hurt the hatch. And uh, I think this this spring, Alex, I mean, we may not see a whole lot of birds this spring.
0: And we were just talking, Alex, before you got on the uh, the phone here. That uh, just the other uh, three nights ago, I had a uh, a coyote right behind my cabin, and I literally, if I if I would have had a spotlight handy, I bet you he was probably no more than twenty or thirty feet from the cabin window, because he started yiping and howling, and it woke me up out of my sleep about uh, I would say about two in the morning, and then I went outside. And sure enough, you could hear them just – there there had to be a dozen of them. You could just hear them through the uh, the valleys around the, uh, the cabin there. But um, I know we need to take a break here, so we're going to wrap this segment up, and we'll be right back.
2: Hey, everybody, this is Michael Wadden with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Don't miss an episode. American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. We're in the studio. Man, what a great show we're having, Wayne and Mike. Redbone, this guy is very knowledgeable.
1: He is very knowledgeable. And, you know, Wayne brought up something at the end of the last segment that I want to have Eddie elaborate on, and that was the fact that he heard the coyotes right outside his cabin, and then he said there must have been a bunch of them. Am, am I wrong, Eddie, and Wayne, that it doesn't take very many coyotes to sound like a lot of coyotes?
3: Yeah, yeah, a person would be really surprised. How much a couple coyotes can sound like half a dozen or more?
1: Yeah, I've I noticed that around my place, and I was telling you before, I got me a, a mouth call. I've been yeah. practicing, and, and finally, I'm getting in the evenings. I can get the coyotes to answer me, and well, when they get to running, it sounds like there must be fifty yeah. of them out there just over the hill. Yeah. And I know in reason from hearing them answer the call that there's probably only two or three.
3: Uh, yeah, and, and you know, this time of year, I would say there's probably at least two. Uh, you know they're they're starting to pair up and getting ready for breeding season, uh, but they'll when they get to howling and yipping they'll do that that they call it a yodel, and you really have to listen and try and pick them apart like trying to pick instruments out of a song. Yeah, you know, in a, in a band, right? Yeah. So it it takes quite a bit to to separate those those yips and barks and howls and and two or three coyotes can sound like a whole pack.
1: Yeah, and, if, and folks, if you've never heard it, I mean, it's like. A... Oh yeah. I
3: mean,
1: it's, it's it's like you said. It sounds like a
3: whole bunch. It does. It does. It
1: really is amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and it might be a little bit of intimidating to people.
3: It, it, it yeah, I, I know it is. My wife, my wife loves to coyote hunt with me, and uh, whenever I'm taking my shotgun, she said, "How close do you plan on them getting?" I was like, "As close <laughs> as they can." <laughs> uh. So
2: let me ask you this. Uh, you and your wife do a lot of hunting together. To all of our listeners out there across the nation, the world—they're listening in New Zealand, everywhere to our podcast now. What's what? What What is the cool thing about hunting with your wife and predator hunting and chicken traps? Uh, share that with all of us.
3: Well, you know, we having three kids. You know, she's she's always seems like she's always having to take them somewhere or do something for them. It it gives us an opportunity to do something together that we both enjoy. You know, she's, she's not so much the type to that wants to go to the mall all the time or go to the boutique. She would rather throw on her muck boots and her camo and go check traps with me, and it just tickles me to death. Uh, she So it's
2: time together, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah,
3: absolutely. It's a good
2: way to get your wife out there or your, your girlfriend or whatever out there with you That's it's spending time together. And, it, and I think it's so cool, Wayne, that his wife loves to check traps and predator hunt with him.
0: Oh no doubt. There's there's a hundred thousand listeners right now going. What a lucky man <laughs> that I am. That I am.
1: Or maybe not. <laughs> yeah.
3: so, sometimes I've got to grab my rifle and sneak out of the house real slow. So,
1: yeah, because that 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 shoe fits on both feet. Because sometimes I would say as a trapper, you just enjoy the solace in being out there by yourself.
3: You do. You do. And and same thing with coyote hunting. Because you know during deer season, when when Everybody and the brother in this area is out in the woods. You don't really get to experience nature at its best, you know. Everything out there, and and I'm not I'm not trying to to slam deer hunters in any way. I, I'm a deer hunter myself. But when you're out there in the off season, you get to observe wildlife at what it normally does, you know. And that's that's what I love about it.
1: Yeah, not wildlife that's running from the scent of another exactly. guy over there a half a mile away or yeah. Well, they've seen a strange truck going down the road. Uh-huh,
3: exactly. You know, you you don't hear shots going off left and right. You just yeah. you you get to see a herd of whitetail do what they do. You know, and that's yeah, that's one thing I love about
2: it. Yeah. Well, here we go. Through the listeners out there, it's never predator hunted. Tell us how they need to get started. What they need to do to get started to start predator calling.
3: I would say. A good, well, number one, a good rifle. You know, something, something light, lightweight and small caliber. You know, something in the 22 caliber, say 223 or 22-250, whatever they can afford. You know, it doesn't have to be a thousand dollar rifle to go out and kill a coyote. Well, yeah, uh, a lot of folks use the 17s. Yeah, a lot of people do. Some of the places I hunt, I wouldn't be comfortable with 17 just because it's a brushy. Uh, gotcha. But you know, if, if you're hunting a lot of open fields and stuff like that, 17 would be great. Um, and I would say a you need to go pick up two or three different uh, uh, hand calls or, or, or uh, open-read calls or closed-read calls and a good, you know, m- uh, entry-level electronic caller because uh, you need to be able to throw out a, an array of sounds, you know, not just just... Beat the death out of a dying rabbit every time you go out because coyotes are smart. You know, I, I I know they're dogs, but they they survive for a living.
1: They'll so, <laughs> no, 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 no think there's another rabbit dying in that same spot. There's no, something I'm, not right, about Yeah,
3: exactly, and 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 that's a fact because I I have called places and 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 I'm just I'm I'm guilty of it myself. I've got certain sounds that I really like because they have worked time and time again. So that's normally my go-to sounds. You know, it's usually I'll start off with like a lone howl, and then I'll uh, I'll usually answer it on like one of my open read howlers. And then uh, I'll give it a few minutes. Um, if I don't get any response, I might just go right into a, a rabbit distress. And I like having a hand caller because, say, well, well, for instance, last winter after after we hunted our competition, we hunted last year, I went and hunted a spot that I had called up a pair. I called up a male-female, light-colored female and a real dark-color-phased male. I wound up taking the male, and the female, she headed for high ground. I never saw her again after that. Well, a month and a half later, this is the uh, first part of February, I sat down, started to call my my electronic caller quit. Batteries died. It was, oh. it was 3 degrees that morning. So I didn't have any wind. It was a comfortable morning to hunt, so I I broke out my, uh, it was a closed-read, uh, rabbit call and i made three three sequences on that collar and i caught a reflection of something off the rim of my glasses and when i turned my head she was standing at 15 yards wow so but uh but yeah she uh, she didn't know what i was she knew i sounded like a dying rabbit but she knew I was way too big for a dying rabbit. <laughs> Maybe a dying cow or something would have, would have fit it better. A giraffe? But yeah, but uh, but it was funny. I had my rifle on the on the bipod, and I had the shotgun laid across my lap. Had it not been for carrying a shotgun with me, I would not have got that coyote. Really? Yeah. She she turned finally. She she decided something ain't right. Uh, I'm going to get out of here. So I laid my rifle up to the side, got up on my knees, and got her with a shotgun, and she was running away. Wow. Uh, wow. That's pretty cool. But if I hadn't had that that hand collar, I'd have been done. I would just had to pack up and go yeah. to the house. And of course one of the advantages
1: to the uh, the electronic call and we got to go to break here in just a second one of the advantages to the the, the electronic call is you can set up your speaker away from you yes. and pull the coyotes attention away from where you're actually sitting and exactly. that's a great thing because those things are they can see like an eagle
3: Oh man yes yeah it, uh, yeah if you can see them they can see you guaranteed uh, I'll usually set my caller about 30 to 40 yards across wind you know right. I, I it, if I have no no other option, I might set it straight upwind, but if I have to set it upwind of me, I'll go closer to 50 yards because the coyote's always going to circle downwind. I don't care. Unless you're in really super tight cover, they might feel brave enough just to barrel right in, but if you're hunting where you can see 100, 150 yards, that coyote's going to circle downwind. So always keep your downwind side open, and if you have no choice but to set the collar upwind, go a little farther, and that'll let the coyote because they they know right where that sound's coming from. Yeah, that's going to allow them to circle between you and the collar. So if you've only got that's a ten good. yards, they're going to circle around behind you. So right. if you set the collar further out, if it's straight up wind from you, It'll be
1: between you and the collar. Yeah,
3: and that'll put it right in your lap, perfect wow. for a shotgun. All
1: okay. Folks, we need to go to break. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and friends. We're back in just a minute.
2: Right here, right now. This is Chanty Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, the Ozark Herd Bull.
0: Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. This is Wayne Locke. I got Mike Crace in the studio. And, Eddie, you were just telling us about uh, placement of your speakers. And I started thinking to myself, that's almost sounding like when you place your decoy for a buck, you place it so when that buck circles around, it's between you and the decoy. And he's looking at the decoy, and his concentration's not on you. Is that about the same thing?
3: Yeah. Yeah, just yeah, just pretty much the same concept. Uh, I've... I've started running collars. I, I like to stay with a collar now that has a built-in decoy on it that I can control with the remote because I've had coyotes coming in, and, and they know where the general sound's coming from, but say if uh, if that coyote kind of hangs up and I think I might need to go ahead and shoulder my rifle, I may go ahead and kick that decoy on, and that'll take that coyote's focus and put it directly on the call, and that'll allow me to get by with a little bit of movement. So, okay. Okay. Uh, They're very, very handy.
2: Hmm. That's pretty cool, Alex. Yeah, it is. You know, I've predator hunted. I've predator hunted most of my life. and I, I've, I've killed a lot of cows, a lot of bobcats, a lot of fox. But uh, what, what I want to do here, Eddie, is ask you this question here. What is one of your most memorable predator hunts you've ever done with you and your wife?
3: <laughs> my wife will remember this one very well. Uh, we had went went over to Arle, Missouri with my nephew and his wife now to hunt on, on her grandparents' farm. And, and this is, this is one of those, one of those times that, that will kind of show you how, how important finishing off a set is with putt distress. Uh, we, my wife and I had moved upwind and set along a, a cedar thicket and my nephew and his wife were setting over the hill from us straight downwind, um, and he started off the sequence with a, a long howl. And he gave it a few minutes and went into uh, a rabbit stress. And my wife and I, we were sitting on, on the break of a hill. We had a little bit of a draw in front of us. And a big doe come busting out of a, a sage grass field. I told my wife, I said, there's a coyote behind her. And uh, sure enough, it wasn't 10 seconds. Here comes the coyote just just blasting out across the field. And I I was barking and I was I was hooping and hollering. I couldn't get that coyote stopped. It glanced at me and it headed right over the hill to the collar. Well my my nephew's wife, she wound up shooting the coyote and killing it. And it just out you know, out of instinct we go right straight into pup distress, you know, or or some sort of coyote distress. And my wife and I had unknowingly set on a game trail. Oh. We were give or take six feet from the fence. And I heard this coyote coming and I thought, Lord, no, it's on my right side. I'm not left-handed. I'm not going to be able to kill this coyote. (laughs) And that coyote poked his head under the fence six feet from my wife. My wife was actually closer to the coyote than I was. (laughs) And I don't know how she kept her composure. She did not throw the gun. She, She handled it very well. Then the coyote left, and it was just like the bottom fell out. (laughs) But that was a blast. You know, even though we didn't kill the coyote, that's a hunt that we always look back on, you know. And and What
2: what have you got to say to the listeners that that try to talk their wives into going predator hunting with them, trapping with them? What have you got to say to them right now? To, To If any women's listening and their husbands together, what have you
3: got to say to him? What has he got to say to her to get her to go with him? Well, uh, I would have to say, you know, don't overpressure him. You know, it, yeah. just, just, you know, maybe use the, the. hey, you know, it's something, something we can do together. You don't have to shoot. You can just be there with me, you know, and, and that's kind of how it started out with, with my wife and I. She just started tagging along with me, and next thing I knew, she said, well, you know, I'd like to maybe try to shoot a deer. So I took her out deer hunting, and uh she finally got her it took her a while and she finally got her first deer and she has gotten deer every year since then and she lives, she she lives forward as much as I do you know it's it's it, if it if it's approached correctly uh it can be very very addicting you know it uh you just you just can't pressure them, you know um just just kind of ease them into it.
2: You know what? You know what? Mike would have said to his wife to get Nina to go hunt with him. Uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll take you to the Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say
1: if if I didn't get my wife to go deer hunting and get up uh, that early on a day she didn't have to work and go deer hunt, I'd have to promise to take her to breakfast when we got in. <laughs> Because that's our favorite thing to do. I mean, we do we do that every Saturday anyway. Go out to breakfast, but uh, yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I think, and Alex, I know you've, you've touched on this a couple of times. I think it's important for couples to, to hunt together. If, if the guy hunts, if the wife wants to go and and i think that was very important to stress that point eddie if she doesn't want to go she doesn't want any part of it she's going to be miserable it's probably going to lead to an argument if you make her go so it's got to be something that she wants to do
0: exactly and like with my wife you know she doesn't do any of the hunting but it took me for i want to say 10 years and i finally convinced her why don't you just go out with me like when i'm setting my tree stands up yeah and i the way i got her to even do that was it's for safety yeah what if I get yeah. hurt? You'll be there to help me. Yeah. And then I'm thinking. That's what? right. But, and I, I said, like, okay, well, that's a good way to do it. But then she says, is your life insurance paid up to date? And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Where are we going with this? It's not that
1: dangerous. <laughs> right. But,
0: uh, you know, that, that got her out. So now she comes out every spring with me. Yeah. We we do the tree stand, you know, take the tree stands down. We mm-hmm. we uh, hang them up in the summertime. Yeah. So it gets her out. Now, she doesn't do any of the hunting, but it's great to spend that time out there oh, yeah. with her.
1: Yeah. My wife loves to take yeah. pictures. So And that's why I told her, I said, well, you can take pictures of me putting up the stand and and I can show you where there's some scrapes and rubs and and you know first teach you about what I'm looking for when I'm out scouting and then you can take some pictures and there'll be some wildlife we'll see squirrels and probably some rabbits and all that and and she was like okay but she doesn't want to hunt I mean, she never said anything about going hunting,
0: and you and you just said scrapes and rubs. My wife now actually will point them out to me. Yeah. She's like, "Hey, there's a rub over there from mm-hmm. this last year." I'm like, "How do you know that's from last year?" Sure. She goes, "Because it still has a little shine to it." I'm like, "Holy cow!" She's actually listening <laughs> like when I talk. In- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Hey, I got one for you. We're gonna talk about ammunition real quick, and I know you love Hornady. You shoot Hornady, yes, just like I do, Eddie. What is what round do you shoot? Is your favorite round? Uh, for, for
3: predators. I shoot normally. I'll shoot my twenty-two two-fifty with a fifty-grain Hornady V-Max. Uh, yeah. Now,
2: it. now tell the tell the listeners why you like that bullet. Tell them what you see with that bullet. What what kind of results you're getting with it? Uh, I
3: I've tried shooting a few different different rounds. Um, I like the V-Max because it you know if you're hunting coyotes this time of year the the hide's premium. You know, it's about the best the, the fur is ever going to get. The VMAX likes to go in, it detonates, it uh, it, it does an effective job of, of killing that coyote without doing a lot of damage to the offside of the pelt. You know, the, the, the VMAX goes in, it, it, it comes apart, it does what it's designed to do, but yet it's still got enough uh, integrity to the jacket of that bullet that it doesn't blow up first piece of sage grass you hit. You know, I've tried shooting some 52 grain Amaxes out of my 250, and it's Mm -hmm. just they're too they're too volatile. You hit a little bit of grass, and that bullet just explodes. So I I like that Vmax bullet.
2: Yeah. Well, I knew you loved Hornady. And by the way, I've got you some Hornady stuff at home. And when I get back from this road trip, I'd love for you to come to the house. And we also need tried to. to kill a coyote together on film, or a bobcat, or a fox, or whatever, Wayne, you you could film it, wouldn't you?
0: Oh well, yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. Sounds fun.
2: Yeah, and also I want to talk to you. Uh, we have got just a few minutes left. Yeah, about here. two minutes, Alex. Two minutes. Tell us about this predator contest coming up. Uh, it's
3: a, uh, it's a, it's a second hunt uh, or second year they've had the hunt. Uh, it's called the Connor Clifton Memorial Coyote Hunt. Uh, it's it's in memory of of a young young gentleman that that passed away uh, a couple of years ago. Um, the I believe they wound up putting money toward two different scholarships last year. I think There was a little over five thousand dollars raised. Wow. For, on the and that was just the first year. I think there was around thirty five teams that that entered. Uh, I got a feeling that's possibly going to double this year. So the more teams enter. The more, uh, the more, you know, the more students they can they can help. So,
1: and when is that tournament?
3: It is January eighteenth and nineteenth uh, at the Texas County Fairgrounds. Uh, Corey Garoff uh, with uh, Fox Pro is one of the the people putting it on. So, you know, if they look him up on Facebook or or even look, look up uh, Connor Clifton Memorial Coyote Hunt, there's a page on Facebook for it. So,
1: Connor Clifton Memorial Hunt.
3: Yeah. Wow,
1: that's fantastic.
3: Yeah, it's a blast.
1: I bet it is. And and, and and those aren't confined to an, an area. I mean, uh, I know we talked about that when you were with us last year, about how those hunts work, and you kind of sign up, and then you hunt your area and you yeah. report back in.
3: Yeah, as long as it's within the state of Missouri. That's all they that's all they ask. Wow. Uh, cool. All right,
1: Alex, time for us to wrap it up for here, and I know we want to remind people that we're going to continue this discussion uh, with Eddie about uh, predator hunting over on the uh, the bonus segment on the podcast.
2: Yeah, what we're going to do here on this bonus segment is Eddie's going to walk you through the actual setup, calling sequence, and show you how to do it the right way, not the wrong way, and call in predators effectively. Wayne Lack, uh, my brand manager, my co-host, Mike Kreitz, my editor-producer co-host, Eddie Owens, I'd like to thank you guys for being on the show, and always remember everybody, the outdoors is all for all of us. But also when your roots are deep and strong, there's never no reason to fear the wind. Tune into the bonus segment by becoming a member of the American Roots Outdoors Podcast Show.
0: Anything you, you want to say, Wayne? Well, if you're gonna be listening to the podcast, you're gonna hear why I explained to Eddie why I use a fifty caliber when I hunt predators. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not lying. <laughs> so you never gotta worry.
2: What the wind might
1: do, American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station.
3: Welcome to American Roots Outdoors podcast, bonus edition here. with uh, This is Eddie Owens uh with uh mike and wayne and alex online here
0: well that was pretty good there yeah that right. sounded good to me Sounds good, okay. to me. Uh,
3: right.
0: eddie i was telling you before we uh got off that last segment there that i use a 50 caliber when i hunt predator and, <laughs> and i tell you every time i say that to people they that their eyes get big and they're thinking <laughs> you know what in the world are you doing a 50 caliber for well here's why in Ohio. I don't, it's like you guys were talking about all these different rounds and stuff, and I'm not familiar with any of that. Because in Ohio, we don't have, we can't use rifles on deer hunting or anything. Shotgun. Right. It's shotgun or a bow. But there's one other thing that we're allowed to use. Muzzle loader. Muzzle loader. So my 50 caliber is when I go out predator hunting in Ohio I use the muzzle loader. Yeah. Which I tell you what is a challenge cuz yeah. you get one shot. There's no follow up shot and you know anybody's watched westerns they know there's never a follow up shot with a no. muzzle loader. No. Uh,
3: but yeah, that's that's what I do is a muzzle loader. I um, have actually had the opportunity of taking one with a muzzle loader one time. And awesome. I, there I had a pair come in. I shot the female and and anybody who's coyote hunted a lot will know if you shoot the female first you usually get an opportunity at the male. I was able to reload and get a second shot before he left, but he was too far out. I wound up not making the shot. He was two hundred yards. Hey, the fact that you got reloaded but, this yeah.
0: is amazing. <laughs> but he did stick around.
3: He did stick around. He 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 ran off and then he come back. You know why why aren't you coming with me? Come on, you know we need to go make some pups. And and I was able to get a shot, but he was just too far.
1: All right, so this this would, and not know I want to get into the calling sequence, but I guess that just prompted one question here: uh, Will will pups do the same thing? I mean, if you're predator hunting and there are pups with the female, or or by the time you predator hunt, are they gone?
3: Um, normally, I mean, I that that time period is usually when we're putting up hay. Okay, you gotcha. know, so I I don't really get the opportunity to hunt until, you know, late September, early October, and by that time period, they're the the females are starting to disperse those pups. Okay. You know, they're starting to leave the den and and you get to call a lot of young stupid coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> but if they are still with
1: with the mama, I guess would they would they hang around?
3: Uh yeah, usually, yeah. you know, if you was to take the, the female, they they might scatter, but chances are you They come right them back.
1: back. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right, so Alex, I know you want to talk to Eddie about the actual getting a set and the calling sequence. Yeah, here we go,
2: Eddie. Here's your scenario. I'm a beginning predator hunter, and I know I've got to keep the wind in my face, and I know an area where I've been seeing coyotes, and I set up and I'm cameled out, and what's the first thing I need to do and it's breaking daylight right now. What do I need to do?
3: If it's just starting to break daylight. I would say to start off with a just a long, lone howl. Uh,
2: right, can you do that call for us? I
3: can I can attempt it here. Long long howl. They call that an interrogation howl. That's basically just, uh, just know, a lonely coyote that says, "Hey guys, I, I'm over here. Is anybody around?" Wow. Uh, it's just, wow. Uh, it's just uh, <clears throat> a, a fair. Uh, there. It's just a social call, basically. Hey, I, I'm here. Is anybody else in this area? Because I might want to set up shop here and call this my home. Yeah. Now. So yeah. now you've
2: done. Now you've done this call. So you're sitting there. It's breaking daylight. The wind's hitting you in the face again. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for a response? What are you waiting
3: for to happen? Uh, I have had them respond to that. They don't always, though. Um, I, I've I've had things just show up, you know. Uh, and and if you've got if you've already got coyotes in the area that have established that as their home turf, they may just come right on in and say, "Look, look, buddy, this is my home. You get out of my living room." You know, uh, I, I've had them respond right to that. I've had them howl back, and then usually it's a howl back, kind of long and long like that. Other times I might challenge them. And okay, and what's
2: a challenge?
3: Uh, Explain
2: to us uh, what a challenge is and do it
3: for us. Uh, a challenge is basically just a, a, a high volume, short, fast howl, uh, and I'll, okay. I'll try it here. And that, that's basically your challenge, Hal, um, in a nutshell. That's saying, hey, um, I think I can whoop you. Come on over here and give it a shot. Uh, and, and I have had it work. Uh, and I was, I was talking to Mike earlier. I, I was experimenting with a, a diaphragm howler, and I was sitting in my truck one night so I, so I didn't annoy everybody in the house.
2: Just <laughs> like me with my turkey call,
3: yeah. and deer call. Well, I, I was sitting in my truck, windows up and and I was was experimenting with the challenge howl on a diaphragm. I thought, "Man, this sounds awful. You know, there's nothing going to come to this." And I heard a coyote howl right across the fence in the ne- next field over. He was challenge howling back at. <laughs> he had come in on it. Wow. So, it, it is effective, you know. And 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 if if they still don't come in with that challenge howl, I'll give it three or four minutes and then I'll go into some sort of distress, whether it be a cottontail distress or a woodpecker or, or jackrabbit or, or, you know, anything like that. Something that, that is, sounds like a hot, tasty, easy meal because, because coyotes are opportunists in a nutshell.
0: And that, that challenge, Hal, is something I think we've all heard. I mean, that's probably the most common oh, yeah. sound that yeah. you think of when you think of a coyote making a call. Yeah,
1: Yeah, or or whether or a locator howl. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they'll call when they come out in the evenings and yeah. find out where everybody else is. Yeah, that's
3: usually what you'll start at. You know, you'll have one, one coyote will fire up with a lonesome howl, and then you start getting what they call the coyote serenade, which I, I can't do that on one of these callers. But I think every, anybody who's ever heard of coyotes has heard that serenade where you've got Two, three, or four, or five coyotes—they're just howling. It's just nonstop. It's beautiful to listen to. It is. It is beautiful. It music. is. Yeah. So, so
2: do do a predator sound that you would do now after that step procedure. All
3: right, with this with this here is just an open read uh, uh, open read call. It's uh, one I normally use for howling, but you can uh, do some high pitched distress on this one. So I'll, I'll okay. try I'll try to to imitate a woodpecker here. kind of gets that little choppiness in there kind of sounds Mm -hmm. like a pileated woodpecker or something Uh something like that so and and i said i I usually carry uh an assortment of hand calls with me uh plus the e-caller so i've got a few closed rig calls that that uh are are a lot raspier than that where you can get that that cottontail that adult cottontail or that younger jackrabbit sound out of it and Mm -hmm. And the jackrabbit thing, you know, I know we don't have jackrabbits here, but coyotes don't know that. You know, they don't, yeah, they don't know that. They don't know what you're trying to imitate. They don't so. know
1: what
0: state you're in.
3: No, they <laughs> don't. So,
0: yeah.
3: Yeah. So.
0: That,
1: that, that reminds me of the, the scene in Jeremiah Johnson. We've all seen it. We all love it. When uh, Jeremiah met uh, the old bear hunter, and he was walking behind his horse, yep. and they saw an elk. Or was it an elk? Yeah. They saw an elk, and and uh, he says, he said, walk behind your horse. And he goes, won't the elk see my legs? Bear test. An elk don't know how many legs a horse has I, got. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is so true. Yeah. That's one of my yeah. favorite scenes of the whole movie. Yeah. A horse don't know how, or a, a elk don't know how many yeah. legs a horse has got.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, I'll usually, I'll, I'll play that, uh, I'll play that distress sound for, you know, at least five minutes. Uh, and, and I'll usually give four to five minutes of silence between my calls. Cause I've had coyotes show up ten uh, up to ten minutes after I'm completely done calling. I'm sitting there in silence wow really you know I've, I've and I'll always end up with a pup distress you know always and uh one time in particular it was two two summers ago uh, I was hunting this 60 acre field by where I live and this was uh, late August or early September i'm I'm calling I'd been there for 20 plus minutes. And, and I'd ended up with my pup stress and nothing had come in. So I'm sitting there and, and it's a good six, eight, ten minutes after I was done calling. And I'm, and I'm overlooking this big field. I can, I can get a 600 yard shot on this field if I, if I wanted to. I, I'm not that good of a shooter. But of all places that coyote to come out, he pops out of a bail pin 30 yards to my right. You know, it, I had been done calling for, for that long, and that coyote knew exactly where that sound was coming from. He popped out to my right. Um, I knew that I was up the creek. You know, I, once again, I'm not left-handed. I don't have my shotgun. I'm hunting a 50-acre field. Why do I need my shotgun? Yeah. <laughs> that would have, you know, that I could have swung and got the coyote. But I just, and, and this is where patience comes in, don't. You know, if you got a coyote that close and you're not playing any sounds, don't try to make any movement because they are going to pick you out and they're going to be gone. I froze. There wasn't nothing else for me to do. Because the worst thing you can do is call a coyote in and bust him. If you do that, chances of calling him back in are slim Yep. So I froze. He wound up trotting. Even though he was looking at me, he trotted right in front of my gun barrel. And I shot him at 21 steps.
1: Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah.
3: So, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it had been that long since I had quit with my pup distress, and, and it was a big male, too. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he was coming in to defend the pup or if he was coming in to go ahead and take the pup out. You know, I, I really don't know. Mm. But none of let's,
2: let's hear the pup sound, distress
0: pup.
3: I'll try it. I don't normally do it on a hand call, but I'll try it.
2: Yeah, he, does, he doesn't. He doesn't know if he good. can
1: do it or not. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: that sounds very good. That <laughs> does. You know, and that's a lot of the sound that you hear, Alex. When when you hear the the cows start running at night, yeah. It sounds a whole lot like that. Yeah, only yeah. it's two or three of them doing it at the same time, and that's why it sounds like it's twenty
3: five. Right. Yeah, and you know you might you might have a batch of young cows running together, and and just like you know any domestic critter, you got that many coy- any, that many animals together they're going to wind up getting in a squabble and they might be biting on one another. And they're, you know, it's just like, like a dog getting his tail underneath a rocking chair, you know, he'll, he'll go to whimpering. So, yeah. I
2: got one more question here. We're going to have to wrap it up here, Eddie. Well, first of all, I want to say, uh, you've been a great guest, man. You're always a great guest. You're very knowledgeable and, uh, man, you're, you're sharing some great information to get people interested, get them started into trapping and into predator hunting. Uh, what is the most coyotes? Because I know you like talking coyotes, killing cows, catching coyotes. What's the most cows you've seen die, or yeah, die in one year? And you hunt mainly just Missouri. You've never hunted any other states, right yeah. in the Ozarks. And people say, well, you can't hardly call the coyotes here in the Ozarks.
3: It could be What's done. the Most
2: you've seen die.
3: Uh, I'm. Once again, you know, I work work 40 plus hours a week at, at work and then i work at home too but you know just hunting on weekends or in afternoons i think the most i've ever killed in one with a rifle in one year was been i think it was 18 coyotes um that's
2: pretty good
3: was, i mean for, <laughs> for those are kills i don't and, and you know just hunting when i got a chance you know i don't think that's too bad but you know and and if if what they say is true about coyotes, you know they say the average coyote can, can kill up to ten fawns per year. Oh yeah, that's uh,
1: 180. That's, coyote. that's 180
3: coyotes, no, 180 fawns. Yeah, you know, and and that I you saved. Yeah, and I and I'll I'll average around 12 to 15 a year just just doing this at my own leisure. So you know, over eight eight or ten years, that's several that's several whitetail saved. Uh, and, That's right. So, well, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of how I look at it. If there's
0: a if does and hens could uh, give you Christmas cards, <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you'd be having a lot from a uh, from those because you saved a lot of uh, polts and a lot of fawns right now. That's what we're trying yes. to do.
2: Well, there you have it, folks. Eddie Owens, the master trapper, master predator hunter, right here from the Ozarks, Mountain View, Missouri. How can people follow you? How can they uh, learn more about predator hunting? How can they contact you, Eddie?
3: Uh, they can message me anytime. Um, I'm on Facebook or, or Instagram, either one. Um, I, I try to respond as quickly as possible. Uh, I did matter of fact, I just took a, a young local gentleman out this last week and, and showed him a few tips on setting some traps. So he's a... Uh, a young young military veteran. He's he's going to college, uh, and and wanting to trap on the side, you know. So if I can help anybody out, I will.
2: So awesome stuff, Wayne Mike. Closing words.
1: Yeah, just I uh, hope you all have enjoyed that, and and you know, get out there and predator huh, folks. I mean, uh, I was talking to Eddie before we went on, and we got to wrap this up really quick here. But talking to Eddie before we started, and I actually bought me a coyote call. And I've been working with it, Alex. And the other night, for the first time, I had it outside and actually got yeah. some coyotes to answer me. So that, that was awesome. a pretty, that was well, a pretty big deal. So I'm going I'm to get the old, the old gun out and, and may, may see if I can kill one here for long.
3: Yeah. I'd say you will.
0: Well, I'd like to see. I'm, I'm glad uh, you know, th- to get you on here to talk about this because I think that's great knowledge. And, and the aspect of you got a lot of people out there to think, well, you got deer season, you got turkey season. Yeah. This extends your hunting season all year round. It does. And uh, it's great to, you know, that gives people during the summertime when they have their kids on vacation from school and that, they can get their kids out, teach them this stuff because, again, deer season's not open during the summer. Turkey's
3: already closed. This gives them a chance to spend some time out in the woods with their kids. Yep, get them outside, get them off the cell phone, get them off the video games, and get them out in the wild. There you
2: have it, folks. Eddie Owens. Eddie, I want to share this with you. I you come to the house when I get home. I got some scent elimination product. I promise you, it's the best I've ever seen in my life. And I've always been a Sentaway user. This stuff's better than anything I've ever seen. And I'll give you a bottle. It's called Scent Guardian by Texas Raised Hunting Products. Well, thank you. They'll blow your mind. I'd like to thank Hornady. I'd like to thank Eagle Seed, and uh, thank you, Eddie, for being on the show. Remember, everybody, take somebody hunting. Take them outdoors. Take a kid. Take a veteran your family. Remember, when your roots are deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. Thanks for listening.